0: Hey, it's your Kali. What's up? Hey, y'all. What's up? You're about to listen to facts, stories, interviews, gossip, live music, booty bumping beats, and much more fascinating things that will be so stunning, there's a possibility that your mind will blow.
1: This show will start...
0: Five, four, three, two, one. 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 Due to the coronavirus, the following show is being produced and broadcast by the Yolo Kali youth from their homes. So sit back, relax at home, and enjoy the show.
2: hello hello everyone this is wlpn lp chicago 105.5 fm lumpen radio broadcasting live from the comfort of our homes once again my name is nine
3: and i'm carlos Alonso.
2: and behind the scenes on production we have emmanuel ramirez and we are happy to be back on the airwaves still remotely of course because you know we're in the middle of a pandemic opening season 14 with our first show on We The People. And we're gonna be in conversation about cannabis in Illinois. But first, let's welcome Carlos to What's Up? Because this is actually Carlos's first show. So welcome to the team, Carlos.
3: Yes, thank you so much. I'm really excited. And well, we're both really, truly excited to present this show to y'all. We're gonna be bringing to you some adventurous and informative content. So stay tuned y'all to learn some more of uncommon terminology in the cannabis world. We're gonna learn some laws in Illinois. You're gonna learn some more about your rights and we're gonna have a conversation about equity in the industry and much more. And of course, we have amazing interviews from cannabis advocates Liz Marie Palomo, an amazing dispensary manager, and Joe Gusso from our Spruing.
2: Yes, and definitely I am super excited to be presenting this show right now because, um you know, it's recreationally, like, legal, barely in 2020. feel like we might be a little late since it's summer and we're barely talking about it, but it's never too late because it's definitely, like, a fresh industry, a fresh topic, and there's so much information that people have yet to learn. And also through this show, I realized, like, how it's a little bit hard to find information out there or actual factual information that you can trust so hopefully like our listeners are going to learn something today and i hope that you can get some interest to learn about topics on cannabis that you personally feel more comfortable with and yeah i hope that everyone really enjoys the show we put a lot of work in it and yeah but um for now let's break the ice a little bit play a little smooth we're gonna go ahead and listen to a vox Populi. it's about general perspectives on cannabis and it's a little little fun gig so let's go ahead and listen to that
4: how
0: has weed impacted you or your life or anything good and bad Uh,
1: so there have been times where like i've noticed some things about myself because of and but I mean honestly I don't even think that that's really a negative thing in my opinion that's a positive thing because um I've taken that information and tried to work on myself um I think that like I've discovered a couple of things about myself <laughs> when I was high things things I needed to work through and um it was able to allow me to see that I did need to work through certain things so I guess that's negative and positive but positive when sometimes when I'm feeling a little bit sad or down, sometimes um, when I just need my mood to be a little bit better, sometimes when I need to, um, sometimes it helps me to think through certain things and see them from different perspectives. um it's a good impact on me because I get
5: high. I would say the impact of cannabis is—I think it's pretty good. I wouldn't think of it as a negative way. A lot of people would say it's good um, just because it's making a very good economic impact.
0: What did you say is the importance of smoking in your life?
1: I think that a lot of growth that I've done with myself and just like my relationship with myself, um, a lot of those moments have come from weed. So, yeah. And I don't, I don't think that my journey with weed is over with. I think maybe in the future there may be a day where weed is no longer for me. But I don't think that our journey is finished yet. So the importance of smoking in my life. Sometimes when you're like mad or something, or like when you're like down, sometimes you could like smoke and it would like
3: make you feel better. Uh,
5: I believe it's important just the simple fact of the many things you can do with it or the way it could be useful resourceful as far as like you know you can smoke it drink it you know ingest it you can make shirts sure out of it etc
0: and how open would you say you are about weed
1: i think that i've come to a point where i don't see a point in lying about like the things in your life i mean of course unless like your safety is like on the line but i wouldn't it's not something that i ever like go out and like try to like flaunt or show off but if people ask i mean i'm either gonna say nothing or say the truth (laughs) you have to also be mindful of that if i know that like they don't smoke then if i'm not smoking around them but like they're still like kind of in my space like i'll just keep it to myself keep it like as out of their space as possible well my friends i am but not really my family (laughs) i do not want my parents to know
5: (laughs) quite open about it you know now that there's like a lot of more more it's more common to find people that you know get high and stuff like that Uh, it's kind of like a normal conversation now
0: Um, what is your most memorable or crazy moment while high?
5: We were in this Harold's Chicken, (laughs)
1: because that was after we smoked. And it felt like we were in there for, like, years. Like, even now, when, like, I think about it, like, it felt like we were in there for years. And, like, I just thought that, like, everyone could, like, see me. But, like... I don't know. It felt like we were definitely like in our own little like bubble world. Like <laughs> time around that heralds stopped and like we were in there for years. Sometimes when I'm high I like to freestyle. Uh
5: and I was trying to go inside my house and I was trying to use my car keys to unlock my door. And then I realized I'm like, oh damn. <laughs>
0: what would you tell people that really don't understand like in regards to to like stigmas, stereotypes, facts, all of that?
1: just like trees, just like vegetables, just like fruits Um, every plant is useful in its own way people find use in things from the earth in so many different ways we can see that because of what our world Coming from just things from the earth. Um, And certain things aren't for everyone, obviously. Everyone is different, but um, weed is definitely for some people. (laughs) I think that obviously use everything responsibly and do everything with intention.
6: I do it for my own enjoyment, and I don't do anything to please anybody. Bro, it's legal now. Right. And
5: you're not doing it, so why you got a problem with me? I would tell them not to be so judgy. Uh, just for a simple fact, like to each their own. And not only that, like, it's like if you've never done it or experienced it, it's like you shouldn't really have much to say about it. Sim- you know, simply because you, you don't do it.
2: And we are back. And that was Art box Populi. Which I want to say I really enjoy doing this box Populi because like there was different tones in the answers, different attitudes, different personalities. And like they all stand for the same ground. And I think that's awesome. But um, yeah, so in continuation of our show, I briefly do want to give a quick disclaimer that we are definitely like not licensed professionals of any sort. We're here to share our knowledge that we have learned to hopefully, you know, spark interest in more people to learn about cannabis in their own way. But yeah, we just want to say that. So, you know, always stay updated because things are always constantly changing in the industry. So it's very important to stay up to date with all of that.
3: Yes. And aren't you actually taking classes to get certified to be a butt tenter?
2: Actually, something like that i took some classes um this past spring at um olive harvey so they were in relation to cannabis dispensary operations so i i could um essentially gain a cultivation job through that definitely so i i've learned a lot through that through those courses so i'm i'm definitely sharing some of that knowledge along with some um, other resourceful um networks but um yeah so glad we got that out the way so yeah, let's go back in time a little bit. The 1930s, right? That's when cannabis was banned from the U.S. And I, I believe it was also banned in various other countries. But, you know, for the sake of today, we're focusing on the U.S. And then that time when it was, like, illegal, I know it was not classified as, like, a major um, drug, like how heroin was. But it was still, like, not up for recreational use anymore, And I was telling Carlos about this. I was learning about, you know, we're doing this radio show, right? We're talking to you all. We want to um, share the knowledge. And essentially, this is going to influence you either in a positive way or a negative way, depending on how you take it, right? So it's important to, like, really recognize, like, who are the voices for um, this topic. And in particularly, in the 1930s, um, one of the major huge influences at that time was um, Harry Anslinger. So he was the Federal Bureau of Narcotics commissioner, and he definitely played a huge influence on the American people, obviously considering his position. But the thing is that he was extremely against cannabis and definitely went into the whole making cannabis seem like it was some real insane things.
3: Right. There was posters, propaganda throughout cities that would just be ridiculous and with literal diablitos, demon figures, actually demonizing, you know, this weed of the devil or whatever. But hey, you know, mind you, like prior to this tax act, cannabis products were legally sold in pharmacies and drugstores with proper labels and regulations. But this act stopped the recreational use of the plant completely. The act regulated the importation, cultivation, the possession, and distribution of cannabis even yeah. importers had to register and pay an annual tax it was 24 bucks which i'm assuming for i mean back in the day that seems like a lot no
2: right yeah i think like just think about it we get paid minimum wage right now probably like i think like 14 or something 13 if not and just 24 back then they were minimum min- minimum wage was probably like some cents 24 dollars was a lot and this um This tax act is called the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937. So that's the one we're referring to right now. Um, But yeah, it it basically like didn't allow for the recreational use of cannabis. It it began to be more regulated and taxed. As we were mentioning, if you were in that time, if you were found like violating the law, you can pay up to like $2,000 and serve some years in prison. And $2,000, we just said 24 was a lot. Imagine (laughs) $2,000. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And yeah and then like you know going back to that like rationale of it like this you know this was all influenced through the media through posters and all of that like you have to consider that in that time there was no social media there was no there it just wasn't the time where we're at now where we can pick up google pick up a book order it and say i want to learn about this let me see what i like let me gain my own perspective to see if the media is accurate right but in that time it was it was that's not what it was um so yeah i mean there was also like movies that like took advantage of like the negative stigma like the Briefer madness or devil's harvest from like 1942 like <laughs> that's so funny hilarious i can't take it serious
3: (laughs) right one of them said like the black smoke of the devil that one is hilarious and they're always with the two characters a male and a female just in peril and just oh no weed (laughs) but hey no like this this act though even to this day continues to negatively affect people especially people of color and then even more so in the 70s um, According to the Controlled Substance Act of 1970, cannabis was then classified as a schedule one drug, along with LSD and ecstasy and all of these, um, which is to that point considered one of the worst categories. But we use it so much as medicine and it's so sacred to a lot of our people and our cultures. So it was just a complete attack also on that aspect of the users of cannabis
2: right and like just to go a little bit more in detail about that so obviously there's like this thing to categorize the like categorize drugs um they're called schedules so they basically separate the drugs based on like the drugs medical purpose the potential for substance abuse and like the dependency that people might have on it so i think it's pretty messed up because essentially like this is the this is what keeps cannabis federally illegal and you know President Nixon thought it was cool to proceed with the placement after um, with this placement after being recommended that cannabis does not belong in that category. And you know what, many people are still in prison and continue to be in prison due to this. And it's like, how are you going to put cannabis on the Schedule 1 category? Like that just makes no sense to me in so many ways. Yeah, I mean, there has definitely been major progress. You know, we all know that in several states in the US, cannabis is medically legal. And in other states, it's it's legally okay to use it for recreational purposes so it's it's definitely on the rise in the country but there's there's so much work to be done you know like regardless
3: exactly and on another note let's go ahead and dive into illinois specifically illinois is only the 11th state in the u.s to legalize recreational cannabis as of january of 2020 prior to this year in 2013 Illinois launched the Compassionate Use of Medical Cannabis pilot program, where by 2015, 55 dispensaries opened ready-to-sell cannabis to only registered medical cannabis patients. And just to be clear, as most we know, a cannabis industry dispensary is a government-regulated location that legally sells cannabis or cannabis products to both the medical and recreational market.
2: Yes, and also going off of that, um, dispensaries are regulated by the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation, so also known as the IDFP, IDFPR, <laughs> and it's under the Cannabis Regulation and Tax Act, which is essentially what makes cannabis legal in the state of Illinois. And um, yeah, so we have been having dispensaries in Illinois that can serve medically since, I guess, 2015, since that's when they opened. But um, medical dispensaries who were approved for early adult use dispensing organization licenses um, opened as soon as January 1st. Because what that means is that these dispensaries were like legally okay medically, but they applied early on to take advantage of the fact that it's going to go recreational. So they applied early, got the license, and as soon as it was January 1st, they were able to open up for recreational cells. So it is predicted that right now we have, I believe, about 55 dispensaries still, but in 2021, we are expected to have about a little bit over 150 dispensaries in Illinois. So,
3: wow, yeah, that's yes. definitely,
2: <laughs> and um, yeah, so we're definitely going to talk about dispensaries a little bit more in this hour of the show. So, stay tuned for that. Definitely, we're going to focus more specifically uh, in Chicago, the area of Chicago, um, with our interview with Liz. But um let's let's throw in a little bit of fun before we start tackling like, you know, like all the technical stuff. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's um, so talk like, about
3: some terminology. What about that? Something useful for people to, I guess, know how to communicate at a dispensary.
2: Yes. I love how you said that. Um yeah, we're definitely gonna start with something more useful for purchasing, like when it comes to purchasing in the legal market. Um so yeah, let's get into it. Let's go ahead and start off with amounts, right? Let's familiarize ourselves with what is, how much do I want to buy? What does that mean? Whatever. So technically, you can start off with buying a gram, which is like the smallest amount probably you can buy. And it's also referred to on on the street or in general, I guess, as a sack, a dub, a gram, just like general And then we go to the eighths, which is 3.5 grams. So people call them different things like eights, ochos, um, three fives, 3.5s, or yeah, you know, (laughs) that's essentially (laughs) one eighth of an ounce. So it goes with the name for sure.
3: Yes. And I'm sure you've all heard probably quad. Quad is seven grams. And then you could also, if you want to get a bigger amount, you can do half an ounce, which is 14 grams.
2: Yes. Um, and then if you want to obviously get like a good amount, you can do an ounce, which is 28 grams. Um, people refer to them as sips. Oh, man, I don't even know what people <laughs> refer to them out there sometimes, but an ounce is 28 grams. Um, and then there's like the big, big um, you know, packages like the QP's, the quarter pounds, or cuties, those are four ounces. I'm not sure what that equals to in grams, so it's just basically 28 times four. Is the amount of grams. Um, we're not math people here. <laughs> right, we're not doing math on there, okay? That's not what we're doing today. Mm-hmm. But yeah, some of the you the tools that you can use um, to smoke them are bongs, pipes, rigs, chillums. Depending on the product, obviously, that you buy, you're going to need a different tool or material to be able to consume it.
3: Exactly. So per se, if you're going to get... More of a bong or pipe, you're definitely trying to actually get an actual flower, and that is, you know, actual cannabis or also known as bud. Or you can just actually, you know, will be called weed or ganja. But if you don't really want to smoke with a tool like a pipe or a rig, or even the chillum, you can try smoking a joint as part as the experience. Um, a lot of these dispensaries will have pre rolls that what the name is it's legit pre-rolled for you and you don't have to worry you just put your product in there and light it up
2: yeah and i think these are definitely tools that are beneficial when it comes to like if you don't want to like in like inhale tobacco or anything like that you don't want to like mix up your cannabis these are like tools that you can do that with and there's also um just throwing it out there there's hemp wraps so if anybody wants to be like more on the you know, healthier side, there, you can definitely seek that. Um, but yeah, going into like the flower. Um, so in, in terms of like dispensaries, um, cannabis is referred to as flower, bud, weed, ganja. So those are definitely, if you hear us say flower, we're definitely saying like, you know, the green stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, but and then going off of that, like still smoking, you can smoke concentrates. So that's THC extract. It's like a gooey, like, oily sticky looking substance that you definitely don't need a lot though so don't I mean do your research to each its own but um do your research and yeah
3: and there's also if you want to be more discreet with uh, the experience especially because of the scent there are also um, vape pens um, that are already oil filled and you can also actually just buy oil-filled cartridges and continuously continuously replace it or there are pens that are just disposable so that's also similar to an e-cigarette experience you're still smoking it but it does have that smoother innovation
2: right and then our edibles of course i think maybe majority of people might be familiar but they're cannabis infused treats snacks foods drinks sometimes um so yeah it's definitely like if you're if you don't want to smoke you don't want to put your lungs through that you don't want to put you know your throat your mouth through that like it's definitely super valid and there are other ways to consume it um so I would say edibles is like a good um approach to that along with tinctures um there are cannabis infused liquid drops um that you can put under your tongue and ingest them orally as well um and I believe that you also go easy on that i I don't think you are like supposed to use a lot of drops or anything like that but again do your research but yeah so we oh also okay so let's get a little bit technical to strains so that means type of cannabis right so someone's like oh what strain do you have that means what type of cannabis and there's like so many strains out there like hundreds of strains but we do definitely want to focus on the um references in the open market um oh no no i'm sorry we that that's after that's the slang my bad um but definitely the strains do categorize by the way that they affect the body um so three main groups that people should definitely be familiar with are sativa which is the type of cannabis that you want to seek if you want to feel more energized um more focused you want to feel like uplifted and it's more of a head high and then we have there's indica,s which is a little bit of the opposite um it's relaxing. It's maybe, you know, you're chilling. Maybe you get a little sleepy. It's more of a body high. It's definitely on the chill mode. You don't, it's more like if you're going to stay home. And then there's hybrid, which is a mixture of both. And essentially like a lot of the cannabis that you might see are hybrids because they're mixtures of both strains and just to go in a little bit more also on the dispensary vocabulary when people refer to or professionals refer to adult use in illinois they're just that's like a fancy way of saying recreational so they're like adult use purchases that means like recreational purposes that's how it's um referred to in the what is it called the act that makes it legal in illinois (laughs) sorry i apologize for that but yeah those are the terms that are definitely um wrote and or written in like documents to find out about like the legalities of it
3: yes what about some less professional um wording let's move to some cannabis slang i know that a lot of people are going to probably get into the experience and going through everybody knows somebody that's smoked for a while so there's always specific vocabulary like (laughs) pearl which is (laughs) you know tightly nicely rolled blunt, rolled to perfection You know, pearling with nails, (laughs) props to folks who can actually manage that. Right. And I guess there's also, you know, gas. Gas is the really good product. You know, that gas, gas, hello. Unlike Reggie, which is, you know, the bad, weak flower.
2: (laughs) The one nobody really wants to buy.
3: Mm -mm, No no one wants it.
2: Um, And I guess there's also
3: mid, you know, that middle grade weed. And when you are in dispensaries, you'll actually hear more of a top shelf, which is the best or exotic, which is also, I believe more of that, the same thing, but it's used more in the street from my experience.
2: Yes. Yeah, and then like terms, I guess you can use to express that you're under the influence (laughs) is stoned or fried, like that's a good one. That's, I've heard that a lot before. um, (laughs) Right,
3: glazed. blasted
2: <laughs> there's um, it here but i've never heard that with cannabis before but i heard that it is a term that people use for cannabis so it that's is now
3: yeah a lot of young people are using that i don't know how that started but hey
2: you know which one i'm interested on tea break i did not know that was a thing it's it's break from smoking so tolerance will go back down like i didn't even know that was a term that's super cool tea break
3: no um, what about a? do you know what a scooby snack is no, that's when a tiny bit of the weed gets in your mouth when you're either smoking, <laughs> honestly, from any type of utensil, and you have a little, a little moment. You gotta take that out. Gotta take that Scooby snack out.
2: <laughs> yeah, that is so funny. But yeah, I'm gonna just run through these very quickly. Like we could bounce off of them, so we can go ahead and move on. Um, but yeah, um, when you, when you refer to something as a piece, you are referring to the, the material that you're using to smoke. Um, a sesh, it's a smoking session, a hot box, Obviously, you're in a place where there's no ventilation. Um, do you want to take these?
3: Yeah, and, you know, you, got, you also have a plug. That's your person where you get your product from. That's Open the person hearted. who serves you. And you've probably heard the word dank, which that means that it smells like weed up in here. And we all know people get munchies, which is getting hungry after smoking. And of course, the word "hit" is simply smoking. I mean, duh.
2: <laughs> and I can't forget match when you know you know you're a little broke and you you want to consume a little bit. You just tell somebody that also oh, control, that you want to match me. Right so, yeah. so that was like our quick terminology that we have for you all. Hope you you learned something. Um, but we're gonna go ahead and go on a quick break. And remember that you are listening to WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 fm lumpen radio broadcasting live from the comfort of our homes and this is our we the people show
4: this is a public service announcement i don't know how many more times we got to keep saying this but stay home Staying home prevents the risk of contracting COVID-19 as well as spreading COVID-19. If you are planning to go outside, only go for necessities like groceries and such. Parties and other gatherings are not a good idea. You will risk your health as well as other people if you do that. Don't be that person. Stay home and stay safe.
5: Did you know you can
1: now stream Lumpin' Radio on your favorite internet-connected devices? Just say, hey Alexa, play WLPN.
5: Lumpin' Radio from TuneIn.
1: And don't forget, you can take us with you anywhere you go. Download our app in the App Store. Lumpin' Radio, make all your robots play us.
2: And we are back, of course. We said small break. Don't go anywhere. And we're definitely um, going back a little bit to continue the topic of dispensaries, as we were mentioning. So all dispensaries definitely must follow the IDFPR guidelines. But that doesn't mean that they cannot implement, you know, their own unique and different ways of operating and implementing their own, like, policies in the workplace, in the space, and for people who are going in the space. But regardless of all of that, all licensed Illinois dispensaries are only allowed to sell Illinois cultivated and manufactured products. So what that means is that like Illinois um, business, cannabis business owners cannot seek um, for say better prices from another state or another area in the world and then try to bring it into Illinois and sell it. So you have to basically, Illinois could only sell products that are, cultivated here in illinois and manufactured so like labeled sealed and all of that and illinois for now as of now it's only allowed to grow indoors which is um definitely something (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) yeah it makes sense though i mean i'm not too sure about like the rest of illinois but chicago definitely has like unpredictable weather so i feel like that makes sense but i i Mm. think that also um conversation for another time but i think that um environmental justice is definitely a topic that can be followed up through that um but yeah carlos take it away
3: yeah for sure no i'm really excited to maybe expand that actual topic on another with the people show but uh, right now guys we're going to have an amazing interview with a really great friend of mine um liz marie palomo She is an amazing cannabis advocate and she is currently managing a cannabis recreational and medical dispensary. And honestly, guys, she's so, so cool. She's amazing. Her work is amazing. She aims to make the cannabis industry and all communities more inclusive and sustainable for specifically the disenfranchised, especially women of color. So we're gonna get to hear a lot of her experience in the cannabis industry and the bit of how she started and where she is now and let's go check that out. Let's see what she has to say.
6: So my name is Liz Marie Palomo. I am currently a general manager of a medical and adult use cannabis dispensary in the Jefferson Park neighborhood of Chicago. So in the north side, I've been in the industry for almost three years now um, professionally and I put professionally in air quotes because that just means through you know the legal cannabis industry in Illinois. Illinois. Um, I am also a long time marijuana cannabis advocate. Uh, I do have a kind of Brand and personality called Motamami, uh, which focuses about the story and the lived experience uh, as a woman of color uh, to kind of destigmatize cannabis use. And that definitely is what brought me to where I am today as a manager within the industry and an advocate within, you know, the entire community of Chicago.
3: What led you to work at a dispensary?
6: So what led me to applying for a dispensary job, which I think is what leads a lot of people to apply for a dispensary job, is just the interest in cannabis. Um, I've been a longtime consumer, been somebody who stands behind the benefits of cannabis uh, and knows that there aren't a lot of people within the black and brown communities that are present within the industry. So that was one of the really big reasons that I wanted to get in was because you, you looked at the makeup of the industry in in the early days of it, and we're still in the early days, but in the early days, three years ago, when the program first started, and it was a bunch of bros, it was a bunch of white dudes, friends of friends. There was no representation of people of color in not only dispensaries, but just like cannabis culture, And I, again, I put that in air quotes, I know we're on the radio, but I put cannabis culture in air quotes because it was the, the new wave of cannabis culture. And it it didn't resonate with me. And if it didn't resonate with me, I know, I knew that it wouldn't, it didn't resonate with people in my community. And that's why I started Motamami was to educate people around, you know, cannabis, the benefits, the history behind it. Uh, And I wanted to extend that work further and bring it into the professional realm by getting into a dispensary job and being able to break down that barrier of knowledge because there is a lot of disinformation around legal weed, around legal cannabis and how to get your medical card, who can get their medical card what are the steps that you need to take? It's, and it's, it's not easy to navigate. If if you're not somebody that's familiarized in it, if you're not somebody that's within the industry or who really takes a lot of time to kind of peel away at all of the state jargon and, and the steps on their website, you're, you're not going to figure it out. You're just going to say, Hey, I don't want to do this and just continue whatever, means you were utilizing before and that wasn't okay to me because then you looked at the people who did have access to medicine and people who didn't and the makeup was well to do white people are very 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 sick people who needed to figure something out you know so i really wanted to get in to break down that barrier uh for education and also just to represent because people of color his, his historically black and brown people have been not only disenfranchised because of their marijuana use but also have been imprisoned and are still in prison and we need to reap what we have paved the way for you know we have paved the way for this booming cannabis industry it's been through the work of black and brown folks who have risked their whole lives to bring a medicine to people that is necessary and I wanted to try to impact a little bit of change within an industry that was definitely kind of just plain and standard all across the board.
2: Thank you. Can you briefly tell us um, what was required of you to gain a job at a dispensary, like as far as qualifications or
6: experience? So it it really varies from place to place uh, as far as what they're looking for experience and for background. Me specifically, I came from a kind of diverse background of service, working in the restaurant industry, working in customer service, and also in administrative work uh, and having a background in events and social media as well. So I specifically got hired as a uh, sales associate, but also with a specialty in events and outreach because of my experience in social media management and event logistics. Uh, but a lot of the other people that I worked with, they either just came from a retail type of background uh, with general. Most people have a college degree. A lot of we have a few a few people that I work with. They actually like interned at the dispensary during their last year of college or something like that. Uh, having a background in agriculture. You see a lot of people with agriculture, or botany backgrounds. Um But like I said, it kind of it it differentiates for people. I I really was able, I feel, to get in because of that background in event logistics. And that's just what they were looking for at the time. And also the general manager at the time that I was called back, he's half Jamaican and I am also Caribbean. I'm Puerto Rican and Mexican. Uh, So we automatically had a connection and he was looking to hire more women of color in the industry. So specifically looking for people with those type of backgrounds and retail customer service. Uh, So I definitely feel like I was a little blessed because I had somebody who was looking out to bring more people of color within the industry.
3: Since legalization, how has the atmosphere in your dispensary changed?
6: There's been, the year has been crazy regardless, you know, the year started off with, you know, adult use coming to market where We had the same number of cultivators, the same number of dispensaries, and then the market was multiplied by 10 is probably an understatement, you know. There were lines out the door to down the block for most of these adult use dispensaries for weeks, you know, for the first few weeks. And then you're pushing, pushing, getting uh, accustomed to this fast pace. Which was definitely different because before the program was solely medically focused, so it was taking time, consulting with people individually, you know, um, really being able to go through the process to start from start to finish with them and give them a nice lengthy consult without really fear. I mean, sometimes you would, we would get busy even as, as medical only, but just that, that ability to be more in depth was just far more available. Once you hit 2020, we're seeing 300 plus people a day. You don't have the time like that, unfortunately. So it just became a completely different, a a completely different environment. But then fast forward to, you know, the end of February, beginning of March, And then COVID comes along, COVID-19 comes along, and then you're not only managing these two because we were deemed an essential business for adult use and for medical, which was surprising for some, most definitely. I thought 100% it was just going to be medical was going to be made an essential business because other states like Massachusetts, that's how it was. They were just medical. They were no longer adult use. Um, So that became crazy too, because we have to reinforce six foot social distancing. We had clipboards and we're cleaning every half an hour, disinfecting, you know, wearing like PPE, because we're working with patients who have a myriad of conditions, many of those autoimmune deficiencies, so then you're just trying to make sure that that they're safe that my team is safe and also still trying to facilitate adult use i think that's a lot of a lot of stuff that has popped up has been cra- that has been crazy has been people coming from out of state who don't come from like covid believing states like Indiana or Michigan or Wisconsin gay you know they're like COVID who's she we don't know her mask I need to have one of those and then getting upset with our team members or my security team who are all dope people and coming at at my employees sideways and my team members without respect and that that's not gonna fly in a space that I'm the person who kind of Man, who manages it and not kind of manages I'm not not where I'm at it's just, it's not how it's going to be that's definitely popped off the craziest stuff has been just people not understanding that we are still a regu- a heavily regulated market we're still trying to make sure everybody's safe I'm still trying to make sure my employees who have families to go home to and even if they don't like have just themselves to take care of make sure that they feel okay. And then on top of COVID and all of that, then you have social uprising and unrest. And my team is a diverse team. I, myself, just like my manager who hired me because he wanted to see more women of color in the industry, my team is super diverse because I make sure as I'm looking at the talent pool, I'm looking for people from all backgrounds. Um, So they're obviously going to be impacted more than if you just have a team of a whole bunch of white folks. So that is definitely been a difficult thing to navigate too, because people from the outside as customers, as patients, they don't necessarily look at your dispensary workers as people. I, sometimes it's a lot like work. being a bartender or just working retail. Like if you've ever scanned, you know, groceries at a grocery store, people just look at you as a utility versus as an individual sometimes, which can be really, really just stressful and just wear on somebody. So that's that's been what's been kind of like crazy and difficult I think to navigate is just keeping everybody up. You know me, Carlos, you know, I'm trying to always manifest a good energy, have a good vibe, keep all of that those nasty feelings of just of negativity out and that's been really difficult to kind of just keep everybody in a good headspace because that's just difficult to do on a day to day basis right now Um, and then put that on top of the fact that you're in a space that is heavily regulated that the people who are profiting for it might not be people who you can uh, identify with or people that you even think really have your back it's rough you know but I see it.
2: So what if someone would like to visit a dispensary for the first time? Um, What can people expect from shopping? Or as far as requirements, what can you tell a first-time shopper?
6: Uh, you have to be 21 or older, have a valid ID to show that you're 21. Most dispensaries right now, because of COVID, are definitely m- managing their adult use a bit differently than they were before. Before, you could just go to the dispensary of choice that you knew was an adult use dispensary, wait in line and then get served. A lot of places require appointments right now because we are being regulated by the state to only have a certain number of people in the dispensary at one time, maintain six foot social distancing. So first thing to do is research. I think that's a big part of shopping for uh, recreational or medical cannabis. You can pretty much look online and see exactly what each dispensary has, go to their website, look at their menu, give them a call see if they are accepting appointments if they're not accepting appointments maybe some places are doing curbside pickups uh get their hours some places do appointments some people places do like eventbrite like put save your sp- space in line some p- places do a lottery so it just it just depends i would definitely just say google search and first find out if you can even get in to the place cuz I've definitely had experiences where people come up to the doors all happy and ready to go. And then we ask them if they have an appointment and when they don't, it's, it's you know, it's sad, but it's also, that's just how it is. Uh, so one, make sure that the place that you want to go, you can actually go to. Two, look at the menu. Uh, I think what the third thing and probably the most mentally, I think, thing that throws you off sometimes is people expect to go in and I th- they have this idea of going into the dispensary based off of like Cheech and Chong movies movies or your your classic stoner films or the California vibe disjointed. That's not what Illinois is. So don't expect that to be what it is. You can't touch product. You're not like looking at mounds of unpackaged marijuana. Everything stays closed from the time that it leaves the cultivator until you take it in your bag and you're at home or at the place that you're going to consume. We can show you the packages and stuff like that, but typically you're going to be looking at either a tablet or at your phone. And then we're going to ask you what you want. We're going to put it in a bag and we're going to ask you to keep that bag closed. It's like traveling with alcohol, almost open container that needs to stay in your back seat, Or if it's open, it needs to stay in your trunk or something like that. If it's unopened, it can stay with you, but it's just, it's a lot more, I think, regulated than people expect it to be, but it's still a fun time. I mean, I mean every dispensary definitely sets up a different vibe uh, and an atmosphere, depending on where you go. Some places are definitely a bit more recreational focused and then other places are definitely a bit more medicinally focused. But you can pretty much find everything online.
3: And to close out, how can we identify a small POC cannabis business in Chicago? Is there a list online we could possibly check out?
6: There are not a lot. If we're talking about legal cannabis dispensaries, there are no POC-owned cannabis dispensaries in Illinois. The first women-owned dispensary opened in San Francisco, I think like three months ago. And I think their name is like Posh Green Retail. They're super dope, but that's even in California. And how long has we been legal in California? And it's just the first black woman owned dispensary opening up right now. So of course it's difficult to find because it's not out there. Realistically, if you're looking for POC run, black and brown run, cannabis businesses, you're going to have to look to the underground, the underground, or like you can find like CBD businesses and stuff like that. There are plenty of black and brown owned CBD entrepreneurs out here because that is a legal way to get into it. But honestly, the biggest kind of community space for me and black and brown cannabis creators is Instagram. That's, that's where they're all at. That's where everybody is at. You can search Hashtags you can search uh, in Illinois. In Chicago rather, you can search Chicago cannabis and you can find businesses on top of businesses, small, small entrepreneurs that are doing some really high quality professional work that are people who might have backgrounds in culinary arts, marketing, you know, administration, all of this stuff. But again, they have a passion for for cannabis. So they're gonna put it in they're gonna put it into action. Yeah, because you can't really find that on the legal market. The only business that I know in Chicago. Chicago that is a cannabis business. They do consulting. They like help refer people to doctors. They have their own CBD um, shop and everything. Well, as well as soul and wellness uh, in Pilsen It's owned by Tiffany, who's Super dope black woman who they've been there for, I think like three years now. And they've helped a lot of people in the South side and black communities and brown communities that don't know how to access medical marijuana to be able to access medical marijuana. And then also just give them access to, you know, CBD products in the meantime, that is the only business that I really know that is black owned and run. But yeah, on the, on the, on the legit market, you ain't going to really find any. It's it's really unfortunate. You can find, you know, like I said, like the CBD business, topical lines, beauty lines, I think are really big. If you want to support black and brown, you can find those, you know, legit, quote unquote. Uh, but yeah, that underground, that underground tip on IG, that's where to go for that.
2: Thank you so much for all of that information. That was, We covered a lot and we're very thankful
6: for that. For sure. No problem yes
3: thank you so much liz your interview was amazing and all of your information i i mean i'm very 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 grateful
2: yes i me too i definitely learned a lot and i'm glad that liz you covered a lot if you're listening to us um you covered a lot of great stuff um and i just want to touch up on some of the things that she mentioned you know when i had asked like what were the requirements of like obtaining a job at a dispensary she brought up a good point that, like, basically right now is a good time to just dive in with, like, what what you know now, whatever your expertise is. Like, if, you know, if you're into, like, designing or transportation or you're looking for an internship, like, those are all good ways to just dive in and learn more and network Um, for the most important part, actually. So, yeah, I think that was... um that was very useful and i do want to say too like you know she mentioned the vibe of customer service Mm -hmm. so definitely you know that's a good thing to think about like definitely if you're gonna go to a dispensary try to do your your research because you know there's there's like a lot of you know it could be like an intense moment you know if people are just like i'm here and for the first time never done this um so definitely do your research so you can talk to your dispensary person about what you're looking for and what you think will suit your needs better. Of course, you can always ask them, but it's there's nothing like educating yourself and seeing what's the best fit for yourself. So I just wanted to comment on that.
3: Exactly, and just like you just mentioned and how Liz mentioned, please double check uh, with the dispensary you're trying to check out online first. I remember my first time that I went to a dispensary in Denver a couple years ago, I didn't have any cash with me. And as I found out, most of these dispensaries were cash only. And that is also relevant in the state of Illinois, in Chicago. Most of these dispensaries will be cash only. I believe there is a couple that are accepting, like a kind of like a cash out type of moment, but it's mm-hmm. something more legit to their business. Mm-hmm. But yes, definitely check that out before you go. That way, you're fully informed. And I know that a passport also works, especially if you are from out of the country, but I believe with that, you also have to have your visa present because that's what happened to a friend of mine that was traveling from Mexico and came with me to, um, to Denver. And she only had, I believe her visa, but not her passport. And so that wasn't allowed to fully roll through. So check that out guys.
2: Yes, definitely look into that. I wanted to comment that as well because I think from what I remember in my course of dispensary operations, they are not accepting um, what do they call? I don't know how to say it in English, but matriculas. But yeah, just definitely be knowledgeable on that, and yeah, also touching up a little bit on that. I do want to say, too, that dispensaries in Illinois are different from what you might have seen on TV or in other states, as Liz mentioned. Um, It's not like you walk in and there's, like, so many jars of bud and you want to smell them all, touch them all. Like, that's not how it works in Illinois. Like, I mentioned previously, everything in a dispensary has to be prepackaged before it reaches the dispensary. So, I just want to say, like, a couple things that A business dispensary cannot do. Um, So one would be like, they can't produce or manufacture cannabis in the dispensary. And also just because it's a dispensary, and you know, they're cool with cannabis, it does not mean that they can consume at the dispensary, whether they're working or purchasing, that's not legal in Illinois. Um, And then of course, um, sell cannabis, Um, they cannot do that unless it's prepackaged and labeled. And then they cannot transport cannabis to register patients, caregivers, or recreational users. So there's like the transportation of cannabis is not legal whatsoever because we do have to keep in mind that there is it's still federally illegal. So we're going to go a little bit about um, more into that a little bit later. And then just the fun fact too, they, the dispensaries cannot operate without a functioning and reliable surveillance equipment. So when you walk in the dispensary, you know everything's got to be on point before you walk in and that's just part of the regulations and of the like actual bylaw they have to have this equipment functioning but yeah so how are you feeling carlos we've talked I, about.
3: well no i just wanted to double check and go kind of go back on the um visa moment and okay. talk about because uh, I just became a citizen, so I had a permanent residency. So that what that is what the equivalent of a green card is, just to clarify. And that's just essentially your permanent visa that you have to whatever constantly, constantly get and renovate. So I just wanted to uh, clarify that. Uh, but besides that, I honestly am really, really excited for all the information she shared, especially um, for the business in Pilsen. I'm totally blanking out on this name, but I'm super excited that there's at least some people out here in Chicago that are in the CBD cannabis industry because there's really not a lot of us out there. That was the biggest disappointment for me doing research for this and then having the conversation with Liz was that I was, oh yeah, I'm going to try to find you know at least a list of POC-owned cannabis business in Chicago, or just even in Illinois. And yeah, I was just not successful. And Liz definitely concluded also with that, you know, there's non official POC owned businesses that are selling, you know, are in the recreational or medical field of cannabis. So that's honestly really sad. And of course, that goes a little bit more into all of this Right. Unjustice of social inequity and all of this.
2: Yes. And on that note, definitely, just because that's the case, I mean, you can still, as Liz mentioned, support people of color in the industry through, you know, personally through their Instagrams or social medias and all of that. Because, you know, there's the part where, you know, it's the business industry, but there's also a lot of people of color putting in work to transform the system, the, the legal system that we currently have. And definitely, it's not like we can just go and buy something off of them because they're not selling a product. They're investing their time into, you know, this industry and to educate and reform our communities. So definitely follow them, keep up with them, donate money to them. Like, there's so many ways that you can support people of color in the cannabis industry. So be on it with that um but yeah that concludes our first hour of our cannabis show we the people we covered some background on the status of cannabis in the country as well as the state of illinois and we i hope that y'all learned some terms with us and shout out to the listeners stay tuned because we still have a whole second hour to go and i just want to give a quick shout out to my baby girl carla for sending positive vibes to me right now while we're on air hey, so shout out to you. <laughs> and yeah um so stay tuned. We have more amazing conversations. We're going to go into the topic of law a little bit more in depth in our second hour and talk about basically what can you buy and what cannot what you cannot buy. So stay tuned for that. Hello, hello, hello! And we're back! This is our second hour, and remember that this is WLPN, LP Chicago, 105.5 FM Lumpin' Radio, broadcasting lives from the comfort of our home still, because I'm still right here in my room. <laughs> and this is What's Up, Season 14. Um, We're still in continuation with our Weed The People show, and I'm Nine.
3: And I'm Carlos Alonzi, and we still have behind the scenes on production, our amazing, amazing producer, Emmanuel Ramirez. And guys, we are super, super happy to be back to the airwaves, still remotely, like is saying, cause hashtag quarantine, opening season 14 with the show, We The People. And we're gonna continue the conversation about this incredible cannabis plant. And Nina's is going to kick us off learning more about
6: loss.
2: Yes. Yeah, so I just want to take the time to continue thanking our listeners. I'm getting amazing positive feedback. Currently, my mom is listening from Mexico. So shout out to you, mom. Thank yes. you for really moving, spreading the knowledge all over the world because it's relevant everywhere. So thank you all. But yes, going back into continuation. So, I, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, I do have a basic certificate on cannabis dispensary operations through Olive Harvey. And so, I learned a little bit of, like, you know, the legalities of what you can buy at a dispensary and what you can't. So, um, yeah, let's talk about some of that. What, what does it look like to purchase recreationally? Like, what can you? So, for Illinois residents, it's a whole nother system than from people who are not Illinois residents. So as far as flour, Illinois residents can purchase up to 30 grams of flour, which is a little bit over an ounce, because an ounce is 28 grams, five grams of concentrate, and 50, I mean, I'm so sorry, 500 milligrams of THC edibles, tinctures, or yeah, any like edible, anything you can eat. And yeah.
3: And for um, non-Illinois residents, you can have up to 15 grams of flour, and 2.5 grams of concentrate. And with, you know, there being limits, there is also offenses if you are caught with possessing more of what you can have. The first offense in Chicago is $50. A subsequent offense within a 30-day period would be $100. And if you are 21 and under and caught possessing Or consuming cannabis you are going to have to do some community service and possibly attend a drug awareness class and even a restorative justice program you won't get fined but you'll have to do a lot of julie-like experiences
2: right and then it like you know i don't really know like for minors if they get caught like consecutively maybe you could potentially face a fine so Y'all, watch out, you know, because it is legal, but what does that really mean? So where can you smoke, right, Um, or consume cannabis? I know that, like, homeowners don't really have to worry about this because, you know, you own your home. You just have to make sure that it's out of sight, basically. And then there's also, like, zoning policies as well, like if you're close to uh, elementary school or school in general. um, So that's definitely something that you should look into according to the area that you live in. And yeah, renters might or might not be able to smoke in their homes, depending or according to their landlord and their lease. So that's also something you want to look out for. Read over like your documents or ask questions because you definitely don't want to be faced with like some trouble or a possible eviction, which I would like to talk about that a little bit. Like, what does that mean for people who are um, who benefit from public housing, right? I think that most definitely they do have a higher risk of eviction. Mm -hmm. Um, if they're consuming in their space or if someone is in their space consuming so definitely be on the lookout for that and i know that i heard this in a webinar that on the chicago housing authority are somewhat not not being lenient or whatever but like taking into consideration um to look at the the things case by case before considering going through with an eviction notice Mm -hmm. i think that's super unfair like it's cannabis like I don't
6: get it right
3: but at least we can actually do it in our homes potentially depending on your contracts like you were saying make sure you go over all of their lease with the okay of your landlord because essentially you can't be doing it with that okay and of course like you said if you own the house you good. But in public, we can't still be out here, you know, rolling one and sana si sana sa with the smoke. But you know, that could be maybe at one point, there may be zones, there may be even restaurants or bars that will have designated areas. I know that you and I had someone mention a wheat bar that gets potentially opening in Springfield. So that could be a really interesting experience. But until that really rolls through,
4: mm-hmm. you can't really
3: be smoking, consuming, cannabis in public and of course you can also be smoking or driving because like alcohol you can also get a dui because you are under an influence so no 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 to that so be careful y'all
2: yes and as i think like as far as like no public consumption yeah going back to what you mentioned about the weed bar i heard about that back in april i'm not sure what that's looking like you know through the pandemic and all of that but i heard that that was the first approved bar weed bar for people to go ahead and occupy the space to consume but i do believe that it still requires to like get your id scanned so i know that can be an issue for like people who like work for the state or Mm. um have like professions of that sort so definitely always again repeating do your research and how you mentioned it it's yeah it's essentially like alcohol um even at work you can't smoke like you can't it's the same rules like if you get caught it can be like something that your employer can use against you and also depending on how they view cannabis personally you know that can play a huge role into how it might play off for individuals
3: especially if they do it for for medicine because that would be an exception I mean yeah you can't be under the influence but perhaps that can be a conversation that people can have with their employers as to what to do. Like, hey, I'm this is something that I'm consuming medically. It has to be regulated at a certain extent, but how do you approach that? And that's definitely something that we can definitely talk more on the next week, the people moment we're gonna mm-hmm.
2: have definitely and that's some of the also some of the work that um you know people are doing like people want to advocate like why is it wrong for me to consume and work like I'm still functioning or you know just kind of um question these policies and you know try to make a little bit more sense of them but um yeah that's that's what that is I think that I don't know I feel like there should be at least designated public spaces like even parks like why would you wanna like some people don't like hot boxing you know and like or you know just being inside a space where there's so much smoke and I do want to mention Carlos and I are of age to consume so that's why we're very knowledgeable not that we do'm not saying nothing like that <laughs> of <not at> <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it, it will
3: definitely keep evolving because even if at some uh public celebrations or even in in Pilsen there's a lot of street fest and throughout Chicago there are some festivals that will allow you to drink and it has to only be in of course the red cups or whatever cups that they give you there specifically so can that be something to evolve into cannabis because people smoke cigarettes regardless throughout these festivals and public events. So why shouldn't it be also available for cannabis? I mean, I honestly am more bothered by smelling cigarettes. Like, I don't like that. You know, it's not it's not for me. And I understand also cannabis smells might not be for everyone else. But why not include it into just the public community period?
2: Yeah, that's that's definitely an amazing point. Like cigarettes are more like acceptable and like i'm not like throwing shade on anybody that consumes cigarettes but like honestly like you know you want to compare that to cannabis like come on (laughs) like how is that okay like i just i just think that like i don't know even like the 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 rules are kind of like alcohol i still feel like alcohol is still more accepted even than cannabis which is okay i get it you know we're still doing a lot of work on that but like I don't know, to me, it's kind of like getting old because like I kind of grew up in an open environment where I did have adults talk to me about cannabis at an early age on like what it is, like what it really is, you know? So I never grew up thinking like, oh my God, cannabis is such a bad thing, blah, blah, blah. So like growing up, I was always confused, like, wow, like, (laughs) you know, some people really out here like hating and being against this magical plant that wants to heal everybody and bring conscience to the world.
3: Right, and we can definitely do more research, especially on the smoke. Because yes, I mean, I don't, I don't believe that any smoke is good for the environment. I don't, I haven't really done that much research about it, but mm-hmm. you know, cigarette smoke is horrible for the environment. There's so many horrible chemicals. I mean, if it's bad for you, it's gonna be bad for all of our atmosphere, y'all. So mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely want to look more into how people smoke, you know, cannabis through joints, through all these different filtered papers that are more organic and how is that affecting our our planet?
2: Yes. Amazing. I love it. You that was perfect.
3: <laughs> we got some more, we got some more homework to do, boo. Yes. Yeah. to learn. More to learn.
2: Yeah, this work does not stop anywhere near now. <laughs> no um but yes so you know still continuing talking about the law just follow the rules you know like keep yourself low-key with what you're doing um if you're doing otherwise but um definitely follow the rules because again um it's still federally legal so although that you might be possessing the illinois limit um if you're caught in the wrong circumstance with the wrong materials at the wrong time with the wrong person you can end up in some real trouble and we definitely don't want that and talking about that we definitely have a little bit about that um talking about the predicaments that can potentially put you at risk with the law when it comes to cannabis. Um, we have our incredible producer, Emmanuel Ramirez, yes. um, who produced an audio piece in regard to this topic. So let's go ahead and welcome Emmanuel to tell us a little bit more about his piece and what we're about to listen to. Hello, Hello, so Emmanuel, can you talk to us a little bit about this piece that you produced for the show?
0: Yeah, totally. So, you know, I was helping you guys out, you know, organize um, all the different parts of your show. And I kind of was just like, I love all the different perspectives that you guys are providing with this, you know, common topic that is weed, cannabis. And I just thought we should totally like broaden the perspectives and the different um, life experiences um, up more. So I, um, I like bringing up this show, I was like, I think this is the perfect opportunity to highlight a story, um, a story that my father experienced. I, throughout the week, interviewed him and had asked him, you know, just to explain his story, like from his perspective, from his point of view. And, you know, I'm not going to spill the beans because you guys are about to hear it, and you can enjoy it for yourself. But I think that, what my dad experienced, definitely, a lot of people can relate to. Um, and you know, stories like these are, to be honest, never really told, um, especially on platforms like these. And I think when we can like listen to like somebody that that we might know or like that we might care for, um, you know, not not kind of I guess influenced by uh, their experience or like seeing them as like oh maybe they're a criminal or like seeing them in this negative light, seeing them as, you know, just another person, a part of our community. um, We can we can create change and, you know, bring bring better. So
2: yeah thank you so much that that was amazing yes because um definitely like people who end up being impacted by you know this also impact their families and how they perceive this perspective and what you know like it definitely just doesn't impact the person who is being penalized Mm -hmm. but thank you so much manuel i really appreciate that Um, let's go ahead and listen to this amazing piece
3: yes
0: my name is emmanuel ramirez and my father is mario ramirez Adjectives to describe my father, hardworking, family oriented, bipolar at times, but overall one of the most compassionate and loving people in my life. He oozes happiness wherever he goes and radiates love into the world, which is something that I think he was put on this earth to do. An ordinary Mexican man that anybody can walk past, have a conversation with, and learn to love however, has a story that would overshadow how so many look at him, overshadow his essence and humanity. But those hardships and pain made him into the man he
7: is today. My name is Mario Ramirez. I'm going to talk about a story, an experience that i mi had in my life. I hope that my experience helps you not to commit the same error, but al the contrary, think positively Estar en la escuela, terminar sus estudios, hacer una carrera, ser mejores personas, ser mejores en la vida. Para su futuro de ustedes.
0: At the age of 21, my father had entered the business of drug trafficking.
7: Conocí a unas personas, se me hizo fácil meterme en su conversación de ellos. Empezamos a platicar, me comentaron que tenía negocios. El narcotráfico. Como dije a mis 21 años, una persona de esa edad te ofrecen 5 mil dólares. Agarrar la cantidad de ese dinero en dos, tres días es at
0: the time he had a job as a security guard how ironic right but needed an excuse for the time he was going to miss work so he was given a fake cast for his arm getting him the weeks off he needed with everything settled he was ready to begin his first trip
7: from el paso texas to chicago Comencé, hice mi primer viaje Fue temprano, a las 4 de la mañana Me entregaron el vehículo, seguí mi ruta Estas personas tienen muchas comunicaciones Tienen rutas, podemos seguir Conocimiento de ellos Yo tuve que pasar por la sierra Por unos caminos que en verdad no conocía Pero me enseñaron por dónde Dije, seguirla Entonces, es la responsabilidad que tiene uno Tiene la responsabilidad de entregar ese vehículo a donde va Llegué a Dallas, me quedé esa noche Siguiendo el camino hasta Chicago
0: before reaching his destination nearing Chicago, his truck breaks down and he pulls over at a nearby gas station. He calls his contacts in Chicago and they say they'll send him a tow truck. But at that moment, as if a demon sent by the devil himself, a sheriff car pulls up to
7: the gas station. sheriff Yo sé lo que traigo mi vehículo y la verdad es difícil, o sea, no lo piensa uno en ese momento. Se acerca a mí el sheriff y me pregunta que si estoy bien. No, sí, claro, un poco nervioso, pero claro, estoy bien, nada más mi camioneta se me descompuso. El sheriff me pregunta, ¿de dónde vienes? De El Paso, Texas. ¿Y a dónde vas? Le digo, voy a Chicago, voy a una boda, porque traía regalos en la camioneta. El sheriff me comenta, me dice, no te preocupes, yo te consigo una grúa. Él me ayuda, me manda a una grúa, llegó rápidamente a la grúa en menos de cinco minutos. Me pregunta el muchacho, a, ¿a dónde va, señor? Le digo, ¿sabes qué? Voy a Chicago. Al momento de que el muchacho sube la camioneta a la grúa, ya el sheriff ya se había retirado. Le dije ok, ya lo libré. Entonces el muchacho me pregunta, ¿sabes qué tu camión está un poco pesado? Le digo, sabes qué, tú no te preocupes. Y recuerdo muy bien, saqué <laughs> o sea, 50 dólares de mi bolsa, se los di, le digo, tú no te preocupes, tú llévame a Chicago y allá nos arreglamos. Me subí a la grúa, seguí el camino.
0: When arriving to his destination and swapping the truck for his pay, he was told to get lost in Chicago for a few days before they made their way back to El Paso. That was his first day ever in Chicago, and he had taken his little passenger on the journey with him, a small brown and white pit bull, taking her everywhere from the road trip to the hotel and even into the stores. He was stranded in a city unknown to him, not knowing the language, streets, or people, but would eventually learn through the journeys in the next few weeks, when he took a second trip and a third trip. It had rained the night of his third trip from El Paso to Chicago. The secretive routes were no help, with mud, rain, and darkness leaving him stranded in the maze of roads. Before he knew it, the morning sun had caught up with him, and he was driving in the light of day. He pulled over at a hotel during the day to get some rest, but that's the last thing he got
7: after what he noticed outside his window. Cuando estoy en hotel, me asomo así por la ventana que no andaba a gusto, algo, algo que sentía yo. Me asomo por la ventana y está un carro enfrente, en el parking. Dos personas adentro, viendo directamente al cuarto donde estoy yo, viendo directamente la camioneta. Y veo a uno de las personas que trae binoculares. Entonces dije, algo está mal aquí. No, 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 no. Agarro mis cosas, me salgo del hotel y agarro la camioneta y me voy. Sigo mi camino. Dije, ni modo, no descanso. Uh, ya en Chicago.
0: He immediately gets up and drives off, leaving the hotel, wanting just one thing to deliver this
7: truck. Recuerdo muy bien, no me quise dar una cartera que viene de Oklahoma a Chicago para no agarrar más largo el camino. Vengo por el mismo 80. Cuando menos acuerdo, veo una patrulla de mí, me prende las luces, dije ya, ya Pensé, dije hasta aquí llegué. Me detiene la policía, veo por el espejo, ya tengo. Tres patrullas del sheriff atrás de mí Y como otras tres o cuatro del estado Se cerró el camino, en verdad Cerraron su camino Cosa que yo ya tenía, como dicen, el dedo puesto Ya alguien había hablado Ya alguien había dado la descripción de mi vehículo Los policías fueron directos a lo que iban El primer policía me dijo, buenas noches Le dije, buenas noches Ya pasaba la madrugada ¿Dónde vas? Le dije, voy a Chicago me dice, ya te vas ladeando en la carretera, ya vas moviendo de línea en línea Le dije, ¿sabes qué? La verdad me veo cansado y ahorita quiero encontrar un hotel donde descansar El policía se ríe y me dice, vas a encontrar un hotel, no te preocupes Me dice, ¿sabes qué? Bájate el vehículo, lo vamos a revisar Me suben a la patrulla esperando a ver qué es lo que va a pasar Ahí no tuve la adrenalina que dije, las primeras dos experiencias, ok, qué suerte me tocó Ahí no Ahí el mismo policía habló con otro y le dijo, también a navaja, voy a cortar la carpeta de la camioneta. Me quedé, no sé si frío o en shock. Cortaron la camioneta, de la, la carpeta de la camioneta, encontraron las tapaderas. Ya nomás vi que vino el policía, me puso las esposas y ya me ya me comentó. Dijo, ¿sabes qué? Traes droga, vas a ir a la cárcel. Es interesante este trabajo, te deja mucho dinero, pero en verdad no piensas en las consecuencias. No pensé yo en las consecuencias de que tarde o temprano... O puedo caer en la prisión o puedo caer muerto Nunca sabe uno Mi experiencia fue a prisión Ahí es el momento que verdaderamente Piensas por qué lo hice Pero en verdad no piensas En las consecuencias que tiene uno ¿Cuánto tiempo vas a estar en prisión? Encerrado Sin poder ver a tu familia ¿Cuánto tiempo vas a durar? Compartiendo con otras personas Que en verdad no son ni tu familia ¿Cómo vas a estar adentro? ¿Qué preocupación le vas a dar a tu familia? A tus padres a tus hermanos. Mi experiencia era viajar, hacer dinero, vivir la vida fácil. Pero en verdad el dinero fácil no te deja nada.
0: At this moment, he felt his entire life come to a halt and his future ripped right out of his hands. He was arrested on September 11th, 1996, and was sentenced to 12 to 60 years in prison. 24/7, 7 days a week. 365 days a year for the next 12 to 60 years surrounded by nothing but letters from his family 1998 almost three years in a friend of his that happened to be studying law tells him that there are six to seven other prisoners arrested in the same county as he was for the same reasons he was all held by the same judge and district attorney his friend then told him after viewing his case that the judge and district attorney were committing fraud, detaining people that didn't understand law for longer periods of time than needed because of how much money the state would pay the prison for every prisoner. At this point, his friend would help him to gather information and teach him laws that would be beneficial to
7: fighting his case. <inaudible> Llegan, me prenden la luz. Hey, Ramírez, prepárate. Dije, ¿a dónde voy? Tienes corte hoy. Perdón, tienes corte hoy. Me arreglo, me alisto. Fui a corte. Hablamos con el juez. Buenas tardes. Ya en inglés. Buenas tardes, buenas tardes. El juez que estaba en el tiempo que me detuvieron, ya no estaba. El fiscal que me llevó mi caso, ya era el juez. Dijo, buenas tardes, señor Ramírez, ¿qué se le puede ofrecer? Dije, vengo por mi caso porque yo ya llevaba papeles de las leyes que me... Aprendí, me puse a estudiar las leyes Entonces yo le dije directamente ¿Sabe qué? Mi caso, por ser la primera vez Es de tres es de 1 a 3 años No es de 12 a 60 Como ustedes me dieron Entonces dice el juez, ok, vamos a ver tu caso Pero ahorita es la hora del lonche Yo me voy a al lonche, vuelvo en una hora Dije ok, pues a ver qué pasa Tuve la experiencia de que los mismos oficiales me llevaron A Pizza Hut, a comer a un restaurante ahí Separado, a toda la gente, pero ahí me llevaron comía ahí en Pizza Hut. todo el mundo me veía raro porque que el uniforme de la prisión me regresé a corte entonces sí hablé con el juez el juez me dice, ok ¿a qué te vas de que tu tiempo es de uno a tres años? en verdad, el juez se hizo tonto o se quería ser tonto, yo hablé con él directamente le dije, mira, ¿sabes qué traigo estas cartas? yo llevé copias, yo no llevo originales llevé copias, le dije, aquí están cartas de abogados federales, jueces federales el gobernador de Illinois que quieren ver mi caso, que no es el único caso Hay otros casos, otros ocho casos en la prisión donde yo estoy. Y tal vez hay más en otras prisiones. De que ustedes cometieron fraude, yo vengo directamente. O una, mi tiempo corre de uno a tres años. Yo ya tengo tres años en la prisión. O con, obtengo mi libertad o demando Una de dos. demando mando al condado. Entonces me dijo el juez. Dijo, mira, vamos a hacer algo. Como yo ya estaba también en la escuela, ahí en la prisión. Me metí a la escuela y dije, tengo que hacer mi tiempo en algo. no está estar perdiendo el tiempo tengo que aprender algo. Me dijo el juez, dijo, ¿estás en la escuela? Dijo, sí. Dijo, mira, vamos a hacer esto. Tienes un examen en tu escuela, haz el examen, si lo pasas, te vas. Si no lo pasas, te estás un mes más a completar los tres años, porque me faltaba un mes para completar mis tres años. Le dije, ok. Dijo, pero no me demanda. Dije, yo lo que quiero obtener es mi libertad. dije, yo no vengo aquí ni a escaparme, ni a cometer más crimen, ni a ponerme más tiempo encima.
0: And so, given this opportunity to finally be set free after fighting for his case, representing himself with no lawyer and in the language that he barely knew any words in, only a test was standing between him and complete freedom. Did he pass? What do you think?
7: Well, hice mi examen, lo pasé. Me recortaron ese mes que tenía que estar salí en libertad. Cumplí. Dos años, once meses. Al salir de prisión, me sentí ya otra persona. Porque el estar en ese lugar no es lo mismo. Ya perdí tres años de mi vida sin estar en la calle. Sin saber cómo es outside, o sea, afuera la vida. Estuve encerrado en un lugar donde las 24 horas estarse en ese lugar. Tres años de estar en ese lugar, no sale uno, no salgo. Entonces salir ahí, la emoción de ver a mi familia, quien verdaderamente me apoyó, quien verdaderamente estuvo conmigo desde el momento. Se enteraron lo que pasó. Mi experiencia fue difícil, porque antes de obtener yo disque este trabajo, como dije yo anteriormente, yo era guardia de seguridad, pero había aplicado para el sheriff, para ir a la academia, porque yo quería ser un sheriff. <risa> fue una experiencia difícil porque... Yo me recuerdo muy bien, fui arrestado un martes, al de esa semana a los dos días, el jueves. Yo me comunico con mi padre y le explico la situación, cómo está. Le digo, no digo dónde estoy, nomás simplemente le digo, estoy en la prisión, No sé, en el condado, estoy detenido. Mi padre no me preguntó qué hice ni nada, nomás me dijo, ¿sabes qué? Qué lástima. ¿Por qué? Dice, porque el día martes, hace dos días, tú recibiste una carta... Con una aprobación que te vas a la Academia del Sheriff. Cosa que yo estaba esperando por... Años. No lo puede ser. ¿Por qué? Por tomar malas decisiones. Equivocadas. Sin pensar en consecuencias. Eso fue lo que más me dolió. Pensé a vivir mi vida aquí en Chicago. Ya no me regresé ni para El Paso. Me quedé aquí en Chicago. Es difícil encontrar trabajo. Salir de ahí es difícil. Mucha gente te cierra la puerta. ¿Por qué? Porque eres un ex convicto. O sea, no te encuentras tu lugar. Es difícil. Crees, ¿Sabes? ahorita ya... De mi trabajo tengo... Experiencia de 15, 16 años, que no he cambiado mi profesión. Soy rofero. Me da gusto porque, aunque trabajo en tiempos de frío, tiempos de calor, tiempos de lluvias, un trabajo honrado, lo disfrutas. Aparte de que traes dinero a casa, para mantener tu casa, tu hogar, no te tienes que andar cuidando de nadie. No tienes que salir a la puerta, ni me estoy cuidando de que me están viendo, o me están siguiendo, como tuve esa experiencia. En esa experiencia, wow, qué lujos, qué dinero, qué viajes, todo se esfuma todo es una nube Es experiencia para muchachos que quieran piensen tomar esa mala decisión no, no lo hagan muchas veces en las escuelas o oh, te ofrecen los que dice que amigos mira que esto que ganas dinero no, no lo hagas piensa primero en tu libertad piensa en tus padres, piensa en ti mismo es mejor hacer la vida honrada es mejor tener cinco dólares en tu bolsa llevarlos a tu casa a tu familia que tener cinco mil dólares en la bolsa Pero estarte cuidando de que alguien te esté siguiendo. Estarte cuidando de que no sabes cuándo te van a agarrar. O estarte cuidando si te van a matar. Esa es mi experiencia.
2: Hello and we are back. Thank you again so much, Emmanuel, for that beautiful piece. Like <laughs> I almost cried, to be honest, but we're going to talk about it right in a sec. Let's just take a little quick break. And don't forget that this is WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpin' Radio, and we'll be right back.
4: This is a public service announcement. I don't know how many more times we got to keep saying this, but stay home. Staying home prevents the risk of contracting COVID-19 as well as spreading COVID-19. If you are planning to go outside, only go for necessities like groceries and such. Parties and other gatherings are not a good idea. You will risk your health as well as other people if you do that. Don't be that person. Stay home and stay safe.
1: Did you know you can now stream Lumpin' Radio on your favorite internet-connected devices? Just say, hey Alexa, play WLPN.
5: Lumpin' Radio from TuneIn.
1: And don't forget, you can take us with you anywhere you go. Download our app in the App Store. Lumpin' Radio, make all your robots play us.
2: Okay, we're back. So in continuation of um, the topic of incarceration, which was essentially what the piece, the audio piece that we just heard was focusing on. And I definitely want to comment on it. It was such a beautiful piece. And I don't know, I guess also like the fact that it was in Spanish, like really hits home because like, I think about like, you know, like our Mexican people and like, just people of color in general, like. The things that they go through and like in the industry and and particularly like I'm thinking about you know some things that stood out to me in the story is that Mario mentioned that you know in that time where you know this story took place he was 21 years old and how he thought about it was to make easy money he didn't even think about it with like malice intentions like it's just like a quick money he mentioned I could probably make this amount in three years of working if I work the right way you know so it wasn't even like oh you know i'm gonna go transport and sell this and you know it was more like all right it's it's a job i'm trying to get money i'm trying to secure myself and you know obviously after doing it a couple times things you know went sideways and like he had to face the consequences of being caught by you know by the law and i just think that like it's it's something to really think about because what he went through you know he did three years and you know he fought his case but there's so many people who are still literally in jail because of those offenses you know and not everybody had the same outcome and like i i think that like also through the audio piece i kind of like picked up on how he mentioned also like to make better choices that uh, you don't want to live watching your back all the time um and things that you encounter right now as a young person you can eventually close doors for future opportunities if you encounter legal trouble and like i think that's insane because it's cannabis and like it's i don't think it's fair that people are right now literally getting paid to transport People are getting paid to grow. People are getting paid to do this for a living. And people who did this maybe a couple years ago don't have the same opportunity. And the Mm -hmm. perspective is changing. It's still the same thing. Like, I don't know. It's just like really you know processing that is is something that really bothers me you know because we continue to also feel guilty for wanting to be part of this industry and accept this plan you know we continue to and what i mean we is people of color because people of color are the ones in prison you know for the most carlos dime algo
3: (laughs) i mean no i i completely agree and i'm just i'm really shook the fact that he was able to get out and go through this whole process while in prison though you know, the fact that he was lucky to go through that and actually move that, you know, in a sense, quickly is really, really amazing because you don't really hear that nowadays. I mean, a lot of the cases now, it's because 10 years ago, somebody had an alms and they were a black man or a brown man and, oh, boop, jail. And now you're going to be doing jail for 20 plus years. And it's it's crazy that now a lot of these hustles are now legalized legitimate jobs, paid you know, taxed and everything so it's really it's incredible where we are now and specifically in Illinois I know is implementing the broadest expungement program uh, than any other legal state Uh, but I wanted to ask you what you know about the whole expungement especially with Illinois being so fresh into all of this.
2: Yes so I definitely don't have like too much information on that but i do want to share the little bit of information that i that i have learned and so basically there are programs to or law i don't know what it's referred to but to a process to expunge offenses related to cannabis um so illinois um is one of the states that has implemented like one of the broadest expungements programs um, in regards to cannabis offenses. So I do know that it looks different according to how the offense played off. So depending on how the circumstances and what you got caught with, with what products you had. um, So I know that if you intend to manufacture or deliver up to 30 grams, that's a possible expungement or a personal possession of 500 grams of just possessing and no evidence of dealing can also get expunged. But the petition process looks different for case um, for each case. And I believe that minor offenses are autom- automatically expunged, but I'm not too sure of the technical definition of what a minor offense is. And then I know that some of the things that you might have to go through in order to get this expungement process going, you have to get a rap sheet, from the arresting agency and you have to pay $60 to start your process and essentially know. get legal backup you know somebody to represent you or even guide you through the process again I'm not like a legal consultant I'm not an expert but this is what I do know and I learned this through people who are currently working to bring more restorative justice in this regard in communities um, like the Cannabis Equity Illinois that's definitely one coalition that's sticking out to me right now but yeah that's basically what i know for right now and you know to continue to destigmatize this plant um i think it's important to understand it right like you hear everything you want you can you know and I feel like it's it's a weird time because we're in a time of a lot of research, but we're also in a time where, like, more people are talking about it, but everybody has a different perspective. So we hear about it, like, in the music industry. We hear about it in, like, um the medical industry. We're hearing about it in, like, all types of industries. And, you know, everybody portrays it differently, right? Sometimes the music industry, I don't know. I have, like, my thoughts about it, but I do think that it's important, you know, because they are essentially highlighting history through music, right? The times that we're living through right now. Um, but yeah, I wanted to go into more a little bit about like really kind of dissecting the plant. Again, I'm not an expert. I just have a little bit of facts here to share with you all. <laughs> <laughs> Verdad, Carlos? <laughs> sí,
3: aquí, lo que sabemos. Yeah, I mean, cannabis is, you know, growing so much. And to go on with the next interview, we are going talk a little bit about CBD because our next expert that's going to come through, Joe works at Mars Community Brewing and they are doing non-alcoholic drinks with CBD and what I wanted to ask you more about and what I wanted to state real quick is that we do have cannabinoid receptors and I wanted to ask you more about this like how this relation is already like part of us and our chemistry. Dima más.
2: Yeah so I do know that cannabis has um biochemical relations to humans so some of the things that you you might find in a cannabis plant um you it's in our human system like we're born with it so that says a lot um think about that (laughs) um and then um cannabinoids or cannabinoids people pronounce it differently I just pronounce it however it comes to mind at the moment Um, but cannabinoids are chemical compounds found in cannabis receptors so there are like over 100 cannabinoids with different functions Um, so two of the main ones that people might mostly be familiar with are THC and CBD Um, but there are so many out there and they all have a unique combination that makes the cannabis unique to its strain and how it delivers to people's bodies. So the strain, um, I guess, forms through that. And um, yeah, some cannabis has higher levels of THC than others. Um, and another factor in cannabis are terpenes, with our, which are like oil secretions from cannabis. And that's also found in fruits, flowers, herbs, have them to um it's essentially what gives the plants the taste and the smell um which plays again an important part of the cannabis strain and yeah so thc is definitely the one that um gives you the high cbd doesn't give you the high and i believe that's pronounced tetrahydrocannabinol can a
3: use it all. Say it.
2: <laughs> 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 yes. And then endocannabinoids are found in all mammals, so not just like people. And again, that also plays a huge role in the creation of the strain. But yeah, as you mentioned, we do have an, an amazing interview with Joe, a chef and, and a CBD expert from the Mars community brewing. So i am so excited to listen to this interview it was fun thank you joe for this interview and yeah let's go ahead and listen to it
8: my name is joe guzzo i am currently the lead non-alcoholic and all beverage brewer at mars community brewing
2: and can you tell us a little bit about your background as i know that you're a chef
8: so throughout my life food and beverage has always been pretty important to me however in college i went towards science uh, as that was kind of the overall maybe quote-unquote smart thing to do. Uh, I worked for the EPA as a geologist for a couple of years. It was a great experience. I learned a ton, but I really realized that what I truly cared about was food and drink. (laughs) Uh, Kind of one of those things where you you literally can't help but uh, gravitate towards it. My whole family has been involved with events and food and cooking my whole life and so it kind of just pulled me in and i i was lucky enough to be within the orbit of mars and found my way here Uh, so cooking has always been a part of my life but then i i took a turn to bartending just as a way to make a living when times got tough and found a, a love for that too and so when I was faced with the opportunity, or given the opportunity, to work with Mars. I was I was more than happy to and excited to build a program that didn't exist.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, what does your work involve, like currently right now? Like, what would how would you describe to someone the work that you do right now?
8: It involves mostly the production of alternative beverages. Basically, whatever you know, whatever I can. <laughs> uh, dream up thinking about the non-alcoholic sphere, uh, although that has really stretched into an alcoholic range as well. We're doing some testing on some uh, alcoholic kombuchas, stuff like that, but basically just, I figure the sky's the limit with a lot of this stuff, so I'm basically um, writing recipes for crazy beverages that I dream up, and I, I work with my coworkers to uh, come up with Something that can, you know, satisfy the market and, and keep people guessing, uh, as well as the boring side of all of this, which is uh, really doing more, I would call it, custodial work. <laughs> lots of cleaning, lots of lifting heavy things, lots of backbreaking work. Yeah, so it's it's a mix of this fun creative side and this very blue collar down to business work.
2: Yeah, sounds like an artist's job. <laughs> yeah. Sure um, is. how did you get involved with making C B D products? Like the how did you get involved with the ingredient of C B D?
8: So when I started making beverages here, I was doing a myriad of beverages, but uh, nothing contained C B D at all. And then there was this emerging market. I actually saw a couple products on the market. I, I was bartending up at Mars to begin with, um, and a few co-workers started bringing some CBD beverages in Ed Marzuzzi, started ordering some products to sell at the bar, and I, I said I could do that. And so I started meeting with local producers of CBD. It's been a long story experience with various products and various means, but it's it's definitely been a learning experience from start to finish and I uh, found my way into making CBD products.
2: Do you recall the first product that you made with CBD?
8: I think I did a I think I did a dry hopped it was citrus dry hopped roebos kombucha with CBD. When I first started working here I basically was making 5 gallon batches for everything. Now I'm making I don't know, uh, 465 gallon batches. So, um, so it graduated quite a bit. But in the early days, it was just one thing after another of making these kind of crazy one-offs. Um, and so that was uh, kind of the first jump into there. Yeah.
2: That's a huge transition. So for those who might not be too familiar with CBD, um, how would you explain your products to people who are not familiar with it?
8: So I would just say it's something that, is still kind of cloaked in mystery and by that i mean studies are still being done this is a a early product still considered a supplement so i personally was just using it myself and i personally use it for anything from sleep anxiety back pain things like that so i i basically was just like oh well you know we can put this in into something and you know i would be wary to make any claims however as somebody who uses it I I believe it has substance to it and it certainly has use I mean it's it's an exciting thing that's uh, not necessarily well studied just yet but I'm excited for the future
2: how has the Mars audience responded to these drinks
8: (laughs) surprisingly well it's been kind of a roller coaster I (laughs) I think early early on I was kind of like the ugly stepsister with all, all of these beverages, weird beverages I was making, but now it's it's really taken off. I mean, had people reach out to me and tell, them, tell me that this is their daily drinker. It's been really, really awesome to see this kind of feedback on something that I didn't even really understand when I started it. So, yeah.
2: So what would you say is like one of your most beautiful mixes or recipes of CBD that you have so far?
8: So, I mean, I, I do three seltzers right now and then two shrub sodas. Shrub soda is a, a vinegared uh, fruit soda. This is something that they used to make back in the late 1800s. It, it's basically a way to preserve your fruit at the end of a season. And then you would put it in your cellar and you, you would add an acid to it, uh, namely vinegar. Uh, and it would hold over uh, for the whole winter and you could enjoy it throughout also has probiotic values as well. So I started doing a line of these shrub sodas, um, and I would say a a cool one that kind of just popped up out of nowhere, and it it was kind of a fun experiment at first, um, was this, uh, we call it apple pie shrub, but it is a uh, apple cascara and uh, cinnamon uh, shrub soda with 30 milligrams of CBD. So essentially, it's, a, it's the shell of, a, of, of the coffee bean, um, almost giving kind of like a tannic, fruity, almost berry-like quality, as well as a beautiful northern spy apple concentrate from our friends up at King's Orchard in Michigan, as well as cinnamon, and it tastes just like apple pie, and that's just been kind of like something that was, uh, it was supposed to be a, a seasonal thing, kind of an autumnal thing. But it, it kind of took off into a, a little bit more than that. And I think that's fairly, fairly popular. So
2: awesome. You mentioned about ratios. How do you like know what amount goes in like a specific drink? Or how do you or how much are we supposed to take in a drink? Like how do you go about deciding the ratio?
8: Sure. So I think thirty milligrams is pretty optimal. I think more than that really wouldn't be processed by your body and less than that, uh, wouldn't reach optimal effectiveness. So we have a nano emulsified product that we uh, get from Chicago uh, cannabis company. It's basically an oil that is sonicated. It is at a concentration of 30 milligrams per milliliter. So basically it's pretty simple math. When you break down, let's say, I have 500 cans worth of beverage in a tank, then I would just add 500 milliliters. It's it's a pretty uh, nice and simple transition, or I guess addition. Yeah. Um,
2: I'm curious about this other thing. So I know that like the CBD drinks are non-alcoholic. Are there any CBD drinks that are alcoholic beverages?
8: From the information that I've read, there are some issues with chemical binding uh, to alcohol. So personally I haven't really put any CBD in alcohol and I'm pretty sure it's illegal right now as well. It's kind of like mixing two substances and that's not really a great thing in the eyes of the FDA, but yeah, I I have not used it with alcohol and things. But certainly I'm sure you could drop it into a beer and it would be fine (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i think currently the the legal legalese on on that are uh, restrictive
2: yeah that i was a little confused about that because i was like like i wonder what that will like look like on someone or feel like you know up and down but you've done it with coffee so that's interesting Um, (laughs) i don't drink coffee because it makes me super anxious but i'm wondering how that plays off with the cbd
8: So I used to be super anxious when I drank coffee. And then I dated a girl that tried to impress. And I tried to drink coffee around her all the time. And I got super anxious all the time. And then I got over it. But yeah, so the Tokyo Drift concept uh, was honestly just kind of this like mentioned thing in a meeting we had. And I was already roasting coffee, brewing the coffee, packaging the coffee uh, with nitrogen. And so we just said you know, we have this whole line of CBD products. Why not make make coffee with it? so it does this kind of cool thing in my personal opinion where it's it's a focus, but it's a relaxed focus it it allows me to get work done but think calmly about it whereas if I were to just drink a bunch of coffee i'd probably i I'd, I'd probably still be anxious I'm still anxious <laughs> coffee. But- but yeah, uh, yeah, I think I think it creates this really interesting um, middle ground effect.
2: Have you considered implementing THC in any of the products?
8: Uh, maybe at home. <laughs> um, yeah, of course. if if we were allowed to do that, certainly not sure right now what what's happening with the legalese on that, but I would I would love to do something like that. However, personally, I believe that ingested THC, uh, is just not my preferred way of ingesting THC, so I I would almost rather uh, ingest it in other ways and then have my CBD and coffee. I mean, it'd be it it would be very cool, and I think if it were legal, I would do it, <laughs> or in in our facility. But right now, I think things are a little uh, muddy around that.
2: For sure. So, what would you say is the best part of your profession?
8: Probably. Uh the creativity and the teamwork uh, i I work with a very small but determined hard working team, and we get to make whatever comes to mind it's It's kind of a beautiful thing. a lot of people look for their dream job and uh, it it doesn't necessarily turn out to be what you think it was and and for me. I I personally probably would have ended up in food if I just dreamt this up. But I think the technical and the scientific parts of this job are what keep my my mind happy. And I think the creative and progressive building of a brand and beverages that people have never tasted before and that don't exist kind of feeds my soul. So it's kind of the the beautiful binary <laughs> between, you know, between like, the, the right brain, left brain stuff. Yeah, it's been awesome.
2: To wrap this up, what is the funnest recipe you ever made, either for Mars or for yourself at home or your friends?
8: <laughs> I <laughs> so we did a we did a festival. I think it was last year, sometime. It was really cold outside. Um, I was serving it outside, uh, but uh, I made a five gallon batch of. <laughs> now hear me out. This is a tomato water basil and uh, oyster, clear seltzer. <laughs> so that sounds terrible, right? But if you think kind of like a Bloody Mary or like a Michelada, um, you, you have you have your like dried shrimp or whatever. You have that that fish aspect. So we, we've gotten this really, really amazing Japanese uh, oyster powder. It's so, it's just umami bomb. I hate saying that word, but it's an umami bomb. Um, and then I ground up about 25 pounds of heirloom tomatoes and then ran them through a series of filters. So all of that liquid just became clear. And then you can season that with salt. And so it's it's a savory drink. And I'd say that was probably like the most off the wall recipe I've ever made. It was a blast to make and
3: also a pain, but it was fun. <laughs> Right on. Yes. Well, hey, we're going to have to try some of those drinks, especially that coffee one. I'm definitely really interested in it.
2: (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Joe Guzzo, for that interview. Thank you so much for your time. Yes. So, you know, we're out of time. So this is the sad part where we got to recap. But yeah, just going off of our second hour, you know, we touched up on the law, what you can buy recreationally for residents of Illinois, non-residents. Um, the amount of possession of, that you can possess. Um, we talked a little bit about the spaces where we can um, consume cannabis, um, where you can. And of course, the amazing piece of Emmanuel Ramirez, which shout out to my girl D, Diana G. She loved the piece of Mario, Emanuel's father. And I'm sure many of you enjoy that piece because... Honestly, I wish we had more time because that brought in a lot. But like we talked about it before, this is only our first cannabis show and hopefully there's going to be more. And yeah, we talked a little bit about expungement as well and a little bit about the science of the plant. So hopefully y'all learn something new. Right, Carlos?
3: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. We're all learning in this together, aren't we?
2: Yes. Um, And thank you for our amazing guests, for sharing your time and knowledge. I also do want to take the time to acknowledge some folks who are playing a major role in educating others on cannabis and its surrounding topics and for putting so much effort in transforming the cannabis current system. Therefore, shout out to Olive Harvey's College, Cannabis Equity, Illinois, Herbal Legal, Chicago Normal. Essentially, these are the sources that I learned from. And I thank you so much for putting that information out there that I use to. Continue sharing it, and of course, your localist WhatsApp team, amongst the many other folks who I have yet to meet and learn about as I continue to invest time in this marvelous plant. So, thank you so much. <laughs>
3: Yes, thank you everybody for joining us and being part of our opening for season 14 with our first cannabis radio show, We the People. And thank you so much for the warm welcome into this amazing stratosphere of the radio experience. Thank you so much, Nine. Yes, My name back. is Carlos, guys. This is Nine, the best of all. But hey, behind the scenes on production, Emmanuel Ramirez, thank you for all your help and thank you for the rest of the, the team and the control system yeah thank you so much everybody this is wlpn chicago 105.5 FM, a lump and radio broadcasting live from the comfort of our homes what's up
4: Woo! <laughs> hello
1: it's me i haven't heard from you in a while
0: I hope it's because you're listening and enjoying our amazing, outstanding, terrific, wonderful, inspiring, delicious, funny, breathtaking, weave snatching (gasps) litty-popping production.
1: If not, you should listen to our radio show, What's
5: Up, again.
0: In the meantime, we'll be twerking on our next one.
5: Here in Lumpin' Radio.
0: So stay tuned for our next amazing, outstanding, terrific, wonderful, inspiring, delicious, funny, breathtaking, weave-snatching, highly amazing production. I hope that you were informed about the yolo-licious parts of life and get your bag every Don't
1: forget to listen to us on SoundCloud at Yolocali on social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Tumblr at Yolokali, or visit at yolokali.org for more.